Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Just want to let everybody know to enjoy the Super Bowl with their family and friends this afternoon. I'm sure you will. But if you're like me and don't have a dog in that fight, then come join us for prayer at 530. <laughs> We're actually going to have an old-time testimony night. We're going to be in the Blue Chapel. Uh, just a time of singing some old songs and testifying before the Lord. So it's okay if you're going to the Super Bowl. It's not a sin. It's all right. The Seahawks were in it, I'd be there too, bless God. I'd be taking a vacation day, a sick day, and a bereavement day. Because <laughs> they'd probably lose. But anyway, it's great to have you today. We're considering continuing our series on healing. And after there was a great healing in the temple, Peter and John were threatened by the religious leaders not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they said, can't do that. We're going to speak on what we've seen and heard. And so they were released and they came back to a prayer meeting. And this is what they prayed in Acts 4:27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal. And perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Out of that passage comes our theme for 2023, stretch out your hand to heal. We are believing God for miracles, for healings, that there's a special season that is upon our church. Because I know God wants to heal. God desires to heal the whole person, body, soul, and spirit. And healing, as you know, is prolific in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, in the ministry of Jesus. But it's also prolific in the Old Testament as well. Healing has always been God's heart. And we studied six of the nine words for healing in the New Testament and also eight of the 14 words in the Old Testament. Now, as I've shared with you before, I am in need of healing myself. So maybe this sermon series is a little selfish on my part. But I really want to understand healing. It's really the desire of my heart. I want to learn what helps our healing and what hinders our healing. Because there are things that hinder our healing. And I desire to study how God works, how he heals. And there are key components about healing in the Bible verses I just read. There's one I want to share with you this morning. There's a principle of healing that we need to understand. Let's look again at Acts 4, 27 and 28. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Verse 28. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. That's what I want to focus on this morning. The Pontius Pilate and even Herod, they were doing what God had commanded and and predetermined to do. They thought they were operating in their own power as kings and, and, and monarchs. But King Herod and Pontius Pilate thought they had power over Jesus and over his death. However, how many know ultimately God was in control? 
And it, the, it was his plan all along to have Jesus crucified for our sins. And so this, now this did not make King Herod and Pontius Pilate innocent. They still bore the guilt of what they did. But it was God's will for his son to be crushed for our iniquities. To, by his stripes we are healed. And see, Herod and Pilate were just pawns in the hand of an almighty God who had a greater plan. We see this confirmed in the Life Application New Testament. Before I read this, people have asked, why do you use commentaries and, and things like that? Well, this is how I study. I first seek the Lord in prayer. And then I read the scripture in several translations. And then I write down what I believe the Lord is speaking to me. But I also want that word confirmed by others. And so that's when I, I go to the commentaries last thing. Because I want to have that time with the Lord myself, let the Holy Spirit speak to me, and then confirm it through other wise and smarter people than I. Life Application New Testament says, while it seemed that Satan had gotten the upper hand when the Son of God was crucified on the cross, in reality, everything occurred according to God's eternal will and plan. The believers declared that God is the sovereign Lord of all events. He rules history to fulfill his purpose. And what his will determines, his power carries out. No army, government, or council can stand in God's way. Amen? Amen. No government, no power. There is no other power greater than our God. And God has already decided beforehand that Jesus would sacrifice himself for our sins. And in the same way, God has decided beforehand how and when he will heal. The Lord has predetermined whether we will be healed physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And again, the Bible knowledge, knowledge Commentary confirms this. Just as God's sovereign power and will had decided beforehand that Christ should be opposed, so now Peter and John prayed for God's power to be manifested in the supernatural ability to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and me. There is power to heal for today. That has not changed. And the first thing we need to understand based on this passage, number one, is God is sovereign. What does that mean? He's in control. There's no higher power. There's no one greater than God. And he knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He's, he, he understands what's taking place with Chinese weather balloons. He knows what's going on. And, and how many know God is making things happen? He is the chess master and every nation and king is just a, a pawn on his board. And I love this same passage, Acts 4.28 in the New American Standard. To do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Notice stretch out your hand. That's our, our theme. Well, God's hand has stretched out for other things as well. And he has predestined things to happen. Now let's do a word study on the Greek meaning of this word. It's pro or idzo. It's a compound word where there's two words that are combined to create a new word with a new meaning, such as football, Super Bowl, Seahawks. I've got something on my mind. But the two words that make up this compound word, the first one is pro. <laughs> I didn't make that up. Which means in front of, before, or previously. And the second word is horizo, 
which is defined as to mark out ahead, to determine, to appoint, to designate, to ordain, or to set a boundary. And all this combined together means to predetermine, to foreordain, to predestine, to decide ahead of time. I mean, you know, God has already decided. Not only has he decided, he's going to make things happen in his power, in his time, in his way. Now let's look at some other verses in the New Testament that include this same word. See, that's how you do a word study. You define it in the original language, and then you see where it's used in other places in Scripture. Well, this word predestined or predetermined is used in other places. First of all, Romans 8.29, one of probably the most prominent uses of this word. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, same Greek word, to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And verse 30, and those he predestined, same Greek word, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. Paul just got the spirit all over him, he couldn't stop, man, it's just going. And so we see, number two, that God's predestination is based upon his foreknowledge. Those God for, he foreknew, he also predestined. So God has foreknowledge to everything that's going to happen. The Lord is omniscient, which is a fancy word, which means he knows everything. Past, present, and future. Now, I know we've all had people in our life that thought they knew everything, right? No, they're not omniscient. There are other things we won't say. But God is omniscient. When he says, I know, he really does know. He, and not only does he know about world events, he knows about your world, your little circle of life in the big sovereign plan of God. God is leading and directing his people. And so the Lord is, almost, is also omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He can do anything. So those he foreknew, God knew we would, we would receive him, we would accept him. God knew those who would come to him. God knew these things, and then he made them happen. What he foreknew, he predestined to happen. Now here's another scripture with the same words, pro or ezo. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Think about that. Before the world was created, God knew you. He had already determined in your life. He already had plans for you. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. And what he chooses to be? Holy and blameless in his sight. God chose us before the beginning of the world. Wow, talk about omniscience. And I love this. In love, verse 5, he predestined, same Greek word, He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Ooh, that'll preach right there. So powerful. He chose us and he predestined us. So we see this, number three, God sovereignly chose us. God is not only sovereign, he sovereignly chose you and me. You're a believer in Jesus Christ because of God. We did not choose God. He chose us first. 
Listen to these words of Jesus, John 15, 16. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now, this is so powerful, this scripture. Let's break it down. This is so important. Jesus said, you did not choose me. Remember, he chose 12 disciples. And in John 6, he says, I even chose one of you that's the devil, meaning Judas. So he, here's, here's the amazing thing. He even chose Judas. And he chose Judas because it had been prophesied that there would be a betrayer. And everything Jesus did was to fulfill the word of God. And that should be everything we do as well, is to honor and fulfill the word of God. And so Jesus chose us in him before the creation of the world. And he predestined us, especially as Gentiles. As Gentiles, we're adopted children. God still has his hand in mercy on the Israeli, Israeli people, the Jewish people. But God, he grafted us in. We're adopted as sons and daughters of God in accordance with his pleasure and will. And he has given us his grace. So we know that we can participate in the power of God. Jesus said, you did not chose, choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit. He chose us to go produce fruit. And that means the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those but it also means souls. We're to win people to Christ. Jesus chose us to go win people to Christ, to share the gospel, to testify. Now, we, weren't chose, we didn't choose God. God chose us first. Got that settled? He's sovereign. He, he chose us. But he also said... That the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So even though God is sovereign, we still have a free will. Amen? And so even though God's going to do something, he still wants us to pray. Because whenever God's going to move in a mighty way, he moves upon his people to pray. And there have been seasons throughout history where great revivals broke out. And God did great things. But usually in almost every case, that revival broke out because of prayer. So we get to partner with God. God. Prayer is our opportunity to exercise our free will into what God is going to sovereignly do. God's going to do sovereign things in the world. He's doing it right now. God is sovereignly in control of the world. And he's also in control of his church, but he also wants to be in control of us. But we have to be willing to allow God's control and sovereignty over us. And it's, it's like that within, we know that God is sovereign throughout the world. But within his sovereignty, we have this circle of free will in our own life. And the, and the way we participate most is through prayer. God has already predetermined what's going to happen, but we still must ask and pray. We still must ask. He tells us over and over again to ask. And it's not just so that he knows what we need. The Bible says that. He knows what we need before we ask him, but he still wants us to ask. Why? Because that's part of having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, is we communicate our needs. He knows what we need, but he wants us to ask. 
And so God chose us sovereignly. Number four, God is sovereign, but we also have a free will. Some say these are mutually exclusive. God can't be sovereign and us have a free will. Whatever scale you're on, on the Calvinist, Arminian scale. But I believe in both. These things happen. They're, they're a paradox. There are many paradoxes in Scripture. But we see many Scriptures that show God is in control. He is sovereign. And He chose us before we chose Him. But at the same time, we see so much Scripture saying that we have freedom. We have the freedom to choose ourselves. We have free will. And so God, in his amazing grace and mighty power and infinite wisdom, makes these things work together. Now, there is God's will, and there is our will. And that's a problem. You see, by our will, we can resist God's will, but ultimately, God will have his way. We can resist. We can bow up. We can stomp our feet, we can throw a fit, we can say, we can resist God's will, but at the end of the day, he's going to have his, have his way. And so don't fight him. Let's, let's know the will of God, let's search and seek the will of God, and then follow him. So one of the problems in our life, and one of the areas we need healing is our will. We know that the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions, and we, thought, we, th- we know that God wants to heal us physically, but how many know he wants to heal your will and surrender it and submit it to his? Because when we do, God is glorified. And that's what we want most is to glorify our Father in heaven. But we can resist his will in our free will. It makes me think of when we first had children. Josiah, our oldest son, was two years old. And this young man, had a, he was an escape artist. He could escape anything. In fact, I've told you the story before. He escaped our nursery and was found down in the alley. So when they redesigned the nursery, they put him in there to see if he could break out. He was the test subject. But he, no matter what we did, he, he, he was just brilliant. And so he had a way of escaping our house at times, and sneaking outside without our knowledge. And so we, I put an additional latch on the door that only I could reach. And yet, there was a time where he was supposed to be napping. He snuck downstairs, whoa, and somehow pulled himself up on the doorknob and unlatched the door. <laughs> a short while later, Jolene walked into the living room and noticed the front door was wide open. And she panicked and ran outside and saw he had stolen the neighbor kid's big wheel. And was riding it toward the main road all in his diaper with snow on the ground. Jolene never ran so fast in all her life. She chased him down and she got him. There was another time where he was supposed to be going to bed and it was a battle of wills between me and him. He was supposed to go to bed. I'd put him in bed. I'd walk out the door, he'd open his door, put him back in bed. Sometimes before I could even get to the door, he's out of bed. And this, I realized, this is me and this two-year-old. <laughs> Who is stronger? And I was determined that I was going to win this battle. And he was crying and he was tired beyond the point of no return. Remember when your kids get that way? 
Now when my grandkids get that way, I just hand them off. Here you go. <laughs> Not my turn. I've done my, I've, I've served my duty. I served my time. But I tried everything. Everything I tried, he resisted. He would not go to bed. He would not stay in bed. And I, I was just, you know, he's crying. I'm crying. Finally, I tried everything, and I finally thought of this. I laid down with him, and he immediately fell asleep. Even so, my will prevailed. <laughs> Since we're keeping score, and we are. He... He fell asleep in his bed, in his room, and that was, that was the battle. I still won the battle of, a, of the ages against a two-year-old. We may resist God's will, but ultimately, he will prevail. We can cry, we can throw a fit, we can stomp our feet, but God's going to win. And he may bring some discipline to us in the process. Because we're the two-year-old. Sometimes God stretches out his hand to heal us. Other times he stretches out his hand to spank us, bless God. It's in Hebrews. He disciplines those he loves. And in fact, the discipline of the Lord places us in the right posture for healing. Some, before we can heal, sometimes we need to be disciplined. There, there's something in our life that needs to be dealt with before we can receive our full healing. Look at Ephesians 1.11, and I close with this. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined. There it is, same word, same Greek word. According to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. This should encourage you. God works everything out in accordance to his will. We know that Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for good. So God's working these things out because his will will prevail. And in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And we know that. We quote Jeremiah. We, we know that's true. But no, you've got to know that it's true. You got to believe that it's true, that God has a purpose. God has a plan. Wherever you're at right now, God is working. And there's something going on, and no one can stop him. And the, the, the key for us is we must come in alignment with his will. Many times we're not moving forward because we're out of alignment. We're ahead of God or, or behind God, but not, we're not with the Lord in his will. And so it's important for us to be healed in our will so that we will follow his will because he's got plans he's got purposes and these things he has in your life are going to bring glory to him because that's all that matters at the end of the day it's not our sickness or our healing it's the glory of god our does our life bring glory to god that's why we live for that's our purpose in life it's first and foremost to bring him glory in all we do and all we say, even in our brokenness, even in our repentance, it's to bring glory to God. Whatever we do is to bring him glory. Sometimes we don't have that motive. We have a different motive. And sometimes those motives can actually hinder our healing. And I'm going to talk about that down the road. 
Ultimately, all glory goes to God. And God not only sovereignly chose us, number five, he sovereignly heals us. You see, there is no healing without the sovereign power of God. Now, I know we have a part to play as well. Our faith has a part to play. And we're going to talk about that. How does that coincide with God's will, our faith, and his sovereignty? A true healing brings glory to God alone, but we have a part to play in our healing. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you're here today, I'm not going to call anybody out. I'm not going to call anybody forward at this point. I just want us to be sensitive to the Spirit if we can. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Have free reign, God, here. These are your people. These are your children. Lord, I just pray your grace upon us now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask, is there anyone here today that needs a physical healing? Would you just raise your hand? And you can put it right back down. That's important. That was an That was a statement of faith right there. The fact that you raised your hand was an act of faith. How many are here today that would say you need a a healing of the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions? Would you just slip up your hand? There's a need for healing there. Amen. Many need healing in our body. And I believe it's coming. We already had five testimonies in our elders meeting about the miracle and healing and power of God. More is coming. Are you ready for the wave? Are you ready for his return? You are not ready for his return if you don't have a spiritual healing. Today I want to give you a chance to have the most important healing of all, and that is salvation. So if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, never given your life, your will to him, but you're ready to today, would you just slip up your hand? You want to give your life to Christ today? Anyone at all? Praise the Lord. Father, you know those that are here, the healing that they need. Some need a healing in body, physically. Some need a healing of their soul broken and wounded soul, battle with depression and anxiety and worry and fear, all those maladies of the soul. And Lord, I know there are people here that that need to come to you to accept Christ. I pray you'd just work on their spirit. Call them. Choose them that they may choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? The elders are coming forward. If you need prayer, physically or emotionally, whatever it may be, they're welcomed here to join with you in prayer. Or if you want to give your life to Christ and didn't slip up your hand, you you can come forward and these folks will lead you to Christ. And the rest of us will keep our conversation to the foyer so that those that are here worshiping and praying can be respected and honored. But I want to bless you as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you 
and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.